Thanks for checking out the Tennessee Holler Podcast, the flagship podcast of the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Subscribe to and support the Holler at www.tnholler.com to help us fearlessly yell the truth about Tennessee. And be sure to subscribe to the growing family of Holler Podcasts while you're there. You can also follow the Holler on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the TN Holler. Tennessee. 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 Lord, I've really been real Welcome back to another Tennessee Holler Facebook Live. I'm Holler founder Justin Canoe. I'm here with Brittany Kylie. Brittany, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you, Justin? I'm good. Before we get started here, I just want to let everybody know that we are going to be doing an election night live stream tomorrow night. While the election's going on, we hope you'll join us. We're going to have representatives, senators, talking heads from all across the state trying to give it some local coverage because I've always been looking for that on election night. And we haven't really seen it, so we're going to we're going to try to do it ourselves. So we're going to be joined by a lot of fun people. We hope you'll make a plan to join us too. It should be a fun night. And also follow all the haulers throughout the state. Those are the haulers that we've been able to launch because of you. All the support's been great. So we really, really appreciate all the support. Brittany is joining us today because of this article that she wrote in Knox News talking about why she is a fourth-generation Republican out of Cookville and a preacher's daughter, evangelical preacher's daughter, who is now supporting Joe Biden. Brittany, I guess maybe can you start by telling me what it was like to grow up as an evangelical preacher's daughter in Cookville? Uh, well, I grew up with um, a very religious and politically active family. When I was born, my father was actually mayor of Cookville. Um, wow. And then he became, um, shortly afterwards, he became the first state rep, uh, first Republican state rep of his district um, in uh, 1988. And then he also uh, shortly became uh, the Republican gov- gov- governor candidate. Um, and so by the time I was, I was, he was. What's married. his name? We should know his name. What's his name? Uh, his name is Dwight Henry. Okay. Yeah. He, he actually just retired from the city council. He, he uh, had two more terms in the city council. So he's retire. a well-known guy in Cookville, I would imagine. Yeah, he is. Um, yeah. And it's kind of um, hard. It's hard to come out. In general, and it's definitely hard when you decide to come out like in your home town mm-hmm. against your well-known family. Um, so yeah, so when I was born, he was pastor of our church and mayor, and by the time I was four, he was state rep and running for government. So it's always been a really big part of our lives and uh, of my um, spiritual and political journey. So. Yeah. And then, you know, I grew up and got, uh, you know, grew up and went, uh, went away. And then, um, and then we got to 2016 and things got difficult, you know. So you had been a Republican your whole life and 2016 came and what was it that made you start to think twice? To, to me, it was just so obvious that Donald Trump did not represent anything that I had been brought up to believe, anything that the Republican Party brought up to believe. He didn't represent the party of Lincoln or of Reagan. Um, It just became really super obvious to me. And 
I mean, I wish I could elaborate more, but yeah. And I think, I think the last four years have just gone on to prove what I felt back then, you know? Um, but it so, was, so it wasn't like a specific thing. You just felt like it's so obvious that this guy is immoral, that he doesn't represent the Christian values that you've been brought up to believe. Is that basically what you're saying? Right. The Christian or the Republican morals. And what has it been like to see everybody you grew up with? Not everybody, I should say, but a large percentage, I would imagine, of people that grew up talking about those values and that sense of morality now follow this man into the darkness. Devastating. Really. And you just, you, you know, you look at people who you grew up with and who raised you and, um, and you just wonder, you know, what happened? Like, this is, this is not, this is not who we are. Um, but at the same time, they're looking at you and wondering, you know, what happened? Um, it is so crazy to me that we went, we got, we became as a nation so divided so quickly. Um, that's really one of, that's really one of the reasons I came home to specifically work the election um, is because two or three months ago, I was so wrapped up in anxiety over the election and just watching the news every day, watching the polls like everybody else. And I was just like thinking, how, how could this happen? How, how, how did we get to this point so quickly? You know, four years is a relatively short amount of time that we hate each other so much. You know what I mean? And I decided one day that I, I decided that I got enough. I got to my political and spiritual end of enough and that I was not going to be angry anymore. And I was going to take that anger and I was going to turn it into action and I was going to do something. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I was going to do something. I was going to be uh, part of the effort. But I also wanted to come home because I wanted to destigmatize these these people. It's so easy to write off everybody of like, oh, you're just a you know a racist Republican or you're just a liberal snowflake Democrat. You know what I mean? But at the end of the in the day, these parties are made up of people, of individual people, you know? And I wanted to come home and I wanted to reconnect with these people who I grew up with and see like, you know, is this just not just about party beliefs. It's so much more complicated than that. And it's so much bigger than that. So you um, wanted to see if it was fixable, it sounds like. Yeah. And is it? I hope so. And I think so. But I don't think it's fixable under Donald Trump. Even if you are, even if you're a per person who supports and likes what he's done for the economy and all of that stuff, I don't think he's the man to bring healing to our nation. Right. Um, well, so well, just 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 so I don't let that go, because that I think is something that we tend to concede. Like, oh, well, he's done something for the economy. He really is the worst jobs president this country has ever had. The stock market going up under him, the stock market goes up under every president. That's how the stock market works. So, you know, so millions of people are unemployed. Businesses are closing all over the place. And it's, you know, directly related to how he has handled this pandemic. Obviously, things weren't as bad before the pandemic. But, you know, it's like they they seem to have in their minds that he has been this like 
magical potion for the economy. But meanwhile, you know, Tennessee especially has been suffering. People don't have health care. People, you know, Tennessee has been one of the hardest hit states by this pandemic. Do you think that we can get back to a place where we share a set of facts? Because I think that really is the biggest problem is that they're working from a set of facts that just don't, they aren't supported by reality. And it's hard to, it's hard to get through that fog. Okay. A couple things there to unpack. Um, I agree with you on everything that you just said. Um, my point that I was making is that even if you are a supporter, mm-hmm. I feel like that Donald Trump is not the person is he's not the type of, he's not the man or the person to he's to heal the nation, to bring us back together. It's not going to happen. Um, and getting to the point about, can we even ever agree on a set of facts again? Um, I refuse to let go of hope that we can. And I refuse to believe that uh, everybody's bad and everybody's evil. And I refuse to give in to this tribalism, um, which is why I wrote this article that I get, that I did. Um, but we're not, but we're not going to get back to that agreed set of facts um, by hating each other. That's not how we're going to do it. That's, that's very, very true. And I think that's, those are wise words. I just want to read a quick passage from your article. You said, I'm so tired of being angry. I refuse to lean into anger any longer. I instead choose to love. I do not expect to change my father's mind, but I do hope that by sharing my story, I can reach people who like me are struggling with the realization that our party is committed to something we know in our hearts is just not right. You're a daughter of an evangelical preacher. I've often said that I think Democrats in general do a pretty bad job of communicating with people of faith. The only message we tend to put out there is that, you know, we need to keep God out of schools, keep separate church and state. And, you know, I think we end up ceding a lot of ground in the community of faith in that way. And I thought Pete Buttigieg did a really good job of speaking the language of faith without blurring those lines. Do you think that that's something Democrats need to do a better job of is speak directly to the large majority of this country that is religious and the 75% of this country that identifies as Christian? I think Democrats at this point are, I'm a really big fan of Michelle Obama's we go, they go low, we go high. I'm a big fan of that, but I feel like there's a price with having to go so high. Because the, the lower your opponent goes, the higher you're having to go. Now, I'm not saying that we should step back and lose our dignity. But what that means is that Democrats are, uh, the Democratic Party is having to become so pious because in a reaction to, you know, the other side getting so far down the path of darkness that both sides are becoming inhuman. And what we need to do, and again, this comes back to what one of the reasons I came home, is to humanize these people to myself and to, again, we all have to realize that we are humans. You know what I mean? And that's why I picked uh, Malice Towards none, towards none. So um, the article that you're reading that got published in the Knoxville News is actually the abridged article of a much longer article that I wrote for a uh, group called Republican Voters Against Trump. And the title of that article uh, is uh, 
malice towards none, what my dad and Abraham Lincoln taught me about this election. Um, it's a much longer version of, of that. Um, I can share it and I won't get into it now. But basically, um, you know, Lincoln said malice towards none, charity towards all. And he said that in his second inauguration speech in 1865. So right after the civil, you know, this civil war was ending. The civil war started a month after Lincoln came into office and ended five days before he died. It was exactly, it was, it consumed all of his presidency. It's what he did. Um, but he said malice towards none and charity towards all, not in the heat of war, but when we were trying to bring people back together, when we were trying to reform as a nation. And that's, that at the end of the day is what I want. Um, even though that I am frustrated with the Republican Party right now, and I've decided to choose to leave uh, and throw in my support to Joe Biden, um, I am not completely convinced that I'm a Democrat either. Right now, I consider myself more of an independent voter. Um, and I and no matter no matter who wins tomorrow, and we're not going to find out tomorrow. Just let that go. We're not going to know tomorrow. Um, no matter who wins, the work's not over. There's so much more work to be done. This is just the beginning. This was the first hurdle. There's so much work to be done. And I wanted to pull from Malice Towards None because it was about bringing us back to that. It was about reconstruction. And I think that's what we need right now. And we need a lot of love. And we need to back out from, back down from the hate. And we need a lot of love because the hate is not helping us. The hate is just dividing us more. Um, because in a world in a world where Joe Biden wins and is successfully able to take the presidency, um, suddenly all these people who were our opposition, who we felt were like on the other side, are going to go back to being our fellow Americans. And we've still, you know, we've still got to love them. And we need them to love us because we really are all in it together. We are a united state and we need to be united again. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, you know, I, I ran for Congress, by the way, in 2018 and a very conservative district, the seat that Marsha Blackburn left behind. And most of the counties in the district were cherry red. I mean, you know, made Cookville look like Nashville, you know, and uh, <clears throat> I, I think we do have a lot in common. I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about Democrats in those areas that are going to take a lot of work to address. Um, but I also think that the thing that people need to understand, and it's not going to happen overnight and it's not going to happen without a lot of effort is, you know, what, what they're missing out by not having representatives who put them first, you know? And I think that the, the things that people care about are similar higher wages for workers, you know, equal rights, uh, you know, down to healthcare. I mean, especially healthcare in this state is, is not in a good way, especially in those counties that we're talking about and understanding that their lives will fundamentally change and showing them what they lose by not electing those people. So, you know, I, I think a bipartisan, you know, these are bipartisan issues. They should be. And I think you're right that we have more in common, but you know, there's been so much misinformation out there and such a constant pounding of the drum of Democrats are baby killers, Democrats are perverts. Demo you know, it's really going to be hard to get through all that. But you're saying basically we got through a civil war, we can get through this. And, you know, I, I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. You know, and I think I think the way to 
this is just you know my my interpretation. Um, the way to take out all that need for bipartisan is to take the buy out of it. You know, we need we need to let go of a five party system. We need a strong legit. Sure. We need a strong legit third party. We need a strong legit fourth party, and we sure. probably need a strong legit fifth party because that will help ease the tension of this tribalism. You know, several uh, I, or or we need no parties. I mean, I you know, I'm all for outside the box thinking. Mark Cuban talks about this a lot about how parties are the problem, and. Yeah. I mean, even Washington in his farewell address talked about Washington it. said that uh, he he was very he, he something about the fires of partisanship will consume us, which it seems to be prescient in what's happening now. I mean, he was definitely very concerned about what would happen if partisanship overtook what we were doing, and and you know, so yes, I mean, I think I think the but the problem is we have the system we have right now, and it's not as but, easy yeah. as. Snapping your fingers and not having parties anymore. Yeah. I mean, we you have can, to work with can, what we you have. You can only work within the system you have. This is the system we have now. But this goes back to what I was saying of what why the work doesn't end on November. 3rd. Oh yeah. No, no matter who wins, this is this is part of it. Um, I think you know, ideally, uh, John Adams said, "If all men were angels, you know, we wouldn't need any government." Um, I think um, a system where there were no parties is probably a great, you know if all men were angels idea, I think we as human being, beings tend to naturally just group together. I feel like there are always going to be parties, but there are several first world nations who work with five and six parties. So I think it's something that we can do and it will, yeah. it will take out this tribalism. Sure. The, the only thing I, I do want to say is like, when we start to have that conversation, it a little bit feels it, it, it has a hint of both sides ism to it. You know, and and I I do feel like one party is a lot more responsible for where we are than the other right now. You know, like like only one party let Donald Trump take it over completely. You know, so I I I, I just I think more parties, no parties, it's all worth thinking about. But what what pushed you out? You seem like a reasonable human being, and what pushed you out of your party was you know this unmasking of it. I mean, there are. People like, for instance, you know, this guy, Stuart Stevens, who's part of the Lincoln Project, who he worked in five Republican presidential campaigns, Bush, Bush, Romney, McCain, somebody else. And he just wrote a book called It Was All a Lie, you know, basically saying that the Republican Party's ideals and morality, they were not ever really there. You know, he, he like this small government or, you know, concern with the debt, like those were all sort of illusions. And what was really going on is, is what we're seeing now. Is that how you feel now that you've left and looking back, like the things that people were claiming to care about, they didn't actually care about that much? For me, where I am right now, I got to the point where I was leaving a party with the idea of not joining another one. Um, I was leaving a party and I was going to express and vote the things I believe. And right now, I believe that we need a lot more love than hate and we need um, we need to recognize that we are we are all humans and um, you know my my parents it, it, it seems so so strange but like you know on these individual levels like my dad is good friends with a whole bunch of Democrats a whole bunch of Democrats you know what I mean? like good like good friends it's only when we get into this 
bigger, like on social media, I, I don't, that's so cliche, but it's true. Social media and the media that like, we forget that, you know, this big thing, this big thing is evil, grr, grr, this big thing is evil. But one-on-one -on -one, we're able to work together. And I feel like if we take that one-on-one -on -one and we start making decisions and we start making laws and we start making policy around the humanist factor, um, that it'll get us a lot farther than just throwing bricks and stones at each other. And also we have to remember Aaron Sorkin, <laughs> Uh, uh, in the American president said that American citizenship is advanced citizenship. And you have, you know, if you're going to be a leader, you have to stand up and defend the things that you believe, but you also have to defend things that people are saying that you hate, you know? Um, so. Yeah. Defend their right to say it. Right. Defend, defend yeah. their right to say it. People, you know, people are going to have to admit that not, Everyone has the same, we're all Americans, but not everyone has the same culture and we don't have the same background. Yes, there are places where we have to draw lines and say this is bad behavior across the board, but if we don't recognize each other for the humans that we are, we're not going to get anywhere. Anywhere. Well, I think that's absolutely true. Yeah, it does. It does. I think it's a nice message. I, I, you know, it's hard on the eve of this election we're about to have to, to you know, see past some of this stuff, but I think yeah. it's important. And I, I'm glad you're banging the drum for it. But so, but someone, someone needs to be saying it. Sure. Um, and Do you still go to your uh, father's sermons? He's not currently pastoring a church. Okay. Um, he's actually currently working for hospice. Um, so, no. But I did attend church with him last week. So, so yeah. Um, I actually, you know, this is a great debate about my father. And when I sat down to write this piece. Um, I, di I didn't want to write, I didn't want to write about him. I didn't want to mention him because I didn't want to come off as like, um, oh, I'm, I'm whiny millennial who has daddy. <laughs> right. So, um, but when I sat down, it took me a month to write, um, again, the full version, not the version that's in the Knox Times. Right. Um, it took me a month to write because the words were so hard. And when I sat down, I realized that I could not separate my political journey out from his just because he had, because he had been so active. You know, um, it wasn't possible. So I did send it to him to read before um, publication. And I will give this to him that he completely disagrees with me. But he does. He did say to me, I would rather have you active on the other side than to be at, to not care at all. Um, speak of him. Yeah. But I, like I said in my piece, I was never going to change his mind. There's no way I was going to change his mind. Um but I don't think that's true uh, for, I guess what I'm saying, I guess what I'm saying is my focus has shifted from the current government to the government that I think we can have, you know, and it's about getting people who represent my generation and below more active, more participatory and running for more offices like you did. Um, to really get the government. Um, I'm no longer seeking approval. I think of, of those generations before me. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to offend them in any way. And I, I respect what they've done and the path that they paved, but I'm no longer seeking that approval. 
I'm now looking forward to, um, you know, everybody was like, it was like, why are you trying to do this? Tennessee's red, Tennessee's red, Tennessee's red, Tennessee's red. I'm like, yeah, you know, you're right. 2020 Tennessee is red, but 1992 Tennessee was blue. And I think 2024 Tennessee can be blue. And I think 2028 Tennessee can be purple. You know, that so, sounds that, like uh, maybe you need to move home and run against Ryan Williams. I actually uh, know Ryan Williams. <laughs> you know, he's I think he's I think he's a good guy. But right now we are where we are. Yes, we are. Um, all I will say about Ryan Williams, Ryan Williams. You know, um, is that what he does, or is that his is that his uh, army arm the teachers move? That's his bill. Arm the he wants to arm teachers. That's his thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's some division there. Continue <laughs> him, but anyway, let's yes. get back to topic. Okay. The, the things I really want to say, and then I'll let you. I don't want to take up all your time. I'll let you ask. Me no, sure. Time. Let's let's take take us yeah. out. Tell us what you want to say. I am I am accustomed to talking to a group because this was written for Republican voters against uh, against Trump and has been picked up by a lot of those groups. There are several of them now. I have gotten used to framing this um, message as two Republicans saying it's OK to come to the other side. And what I tell them is like, you know, voting for Joe Biden is not going to make you a socialist or a communist or an enemy of capitalism. It's actually going to make you a better Republican because you're not going to allow your party to go down at the hands of its leader. Um, you know, I, I always tell people, don't don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to speak out and speak your voice. There are literally millions of us out here who are just like you. When was the last time you saw so many groups of one party saying, you know what, I'm leaving this party? Like the Lincoln Project, Republicans against Trump, Biden, uh, Republicans for Biden, Biden Republicans. Like the Trump regrets, you know, have you seen this group? Uh, when was the last time you saw come out, the come out, like you didn't see this for Bush, you know, you didn't see this. You know, you didn't see this any of this. Um, so don't be afraid. There are literally millions of us out to here. However, I did grow up with a lot of people who are really afraid right now of speaking out against tradition and heritage and of their judgment of their community and even their family. So my message to them is, look, voting is anonymous for a reason. Like, the fact that you voted is going to be recovered, but not uh, recorded, but not who you voted for. Um, so if you are really afraid to speak your heart, I get it, but you can still vote it. Um, and if my real message for, I guess your group who are pretty, I gather are pretty much anti-Trump, um, is safe assumption. Although I see Ed Sapp says save America, vote Trump. And clearly he's a big Tennessee holler fan because he's constantly commenting on our broadcast. So hi, Ed. If we get to the other side of this and Trump is still in office. It's going to be devastating. I'm going to be devastated, but I'm not going to give up and neither should you. Donald Trump does not own your joy. Three, three, four months ago, Donald Trump owned my joy. He owned it. I was paralyzed with anxiety. I couldn't get any work done. I wasn't sleeping. I was, I was literally having nightmares 
starring Donald Trump. I'm not making this up. I believe you. And after about a month of Donald Trump nightmares, I woke up one day and I was like, no, no more. This ends today. Donald Trump does not own me or my vote or my joy. And I'm going to do something about it. So even if we come out on the other side of this, the fight will continue on. Hope and light will always, always win. I think that's a really good place to end it, Brittany. Thank you for coming on here and joining us. Thank you for your message. Her Twitter handle is at Brit underscore KY. She is in Cookville. She's in Cookville and uh, she's there to watch the polls. She's chipping in. She left the Republican party, not to join the Democrats, just to feel better about where she stood. She's as an independent and supporting Biden. And uh, I appreciate voices like yours. Thank you for speaking out and writing about it. Thank you for having me. Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram. There you go. Britt KY on Twitter. Follow her on Instagram. And Britt, stay in touch with us, all right? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Everybody, join us tomorrow night. We will be doing an election special. We hope to see you. We'll have a lot of fun people joining us throughout the night. You can have your TV on and your laptop open up. Talk to you guys tomorrow.